tweet at TodaySOR. COVID-19, as we know, has spread from Wuhan in China to every continent on Earth except Antarctica and is responsible for 2.4 million infections globally and more than 170,000 deaths. While we all know a lot more about this disease than we did a few short months ago, misinformation and rumours about the disease continue to spread. Now, to join us again to help uh, separate some facts uh, from myths are uh, are Dr Yvonne Williams, a GP in the Shannon Medical Centre in County Clare, and Kim Roberts, Assistant Professor of Viral at Trinity College in Dublin. Um, Yvonne, the testing criteria has changed uh, now. It's going to require fewer symptoms for people to actually get the test. Just explain what that might mean. So we have a change in the testing criteria this morning, which means people no longer have to have a temperature as well as breathing symptoms. They can have either a fever, cough or shortness of breath. Um, that isn't explained by any other conditions. So there would be some people, obviously, who would have a chronic cough from perhaps um, having been heavy smokers over the years or other conditions. So it's new, a new cough, new fever or new breathing difficulties um, with no other obvious sort of medical cause for them. And um, that has, I suppose, broadened the criteria a little bit. So we are expecting um, that we will be referring an increased number of people for testing today and over the coming days. Yes. Uh, would, Would you be expecting a surge in testing then? I don't think we'll get as big a surge as we had initially because we're not referring people with sort of a runny nose, sore throat, you know, the the milder upper respiratory symptoms. For those people, it's really important that they do make contact with us because they are being advised as before to isolate in their own house and that other people living in the houses with them will have to self-restrict. And I think that is causing confusion for people. So if this morning I wake up and I have symptoms of a a sinus infection that I I didn't have, I should be self-isolating in the house. And that means that maybe my partner or adult children are not allowed to go to work. They need to restrict their movements. So it's really important that people living with people with symptoms, even if they're mild and even if they're not going to be tested, they do need to change um, their activities for the 14 days. Yeah, and uh, to turn to you, Kim, um, again, we keep on getting these questions. What do we know, for instance, about whether coronavirus can be spread through food or food containers? Many people, for instance, getting takeaways at the moment. Should they be taking precautions? So I think um, the risk from um, getting the virus um, from takeaways is low. You know, when anything comes into your hands, into your house, it's a good idea to, to wash um, wash your hands before you eat. So if you get a takeaway, you put the food onto the plates and you wash your hands and then you eat. That's probably a sensible precaution. But I think the risk from um, from takeaway food um, is, is is probably pretty low. Um, similarly, in terms of food shopping, you know, again, the risk is going out to the shops. It's touching the high touch um, surfaces such as the trolleys and, um, and and basket handles. So it's a case of um, keeping your hands away from your face whilst you're out shopping. When you come into the house, you wash your hands, put away your shopping and then wash your hands again. There's a heartfelt question from Carmel in Dublin. I'm struggling now not having seen my grandchildren for weeks. A question has been lurking in my mind, so I wonder if you will ask your expert guests, why can't we see our grandchildren? Why are we told to stay away? In the beginning, we were told that children were carriers, but where is the evidence of this? Were children tested and how? Please try to get an answer to this because I am close to ignoring this rule unless a decent explanation is forthcoming. Kim, what would you say to Granny Carmel? It's incredibly difficult. I think one of the things that that many people are really, really struggling with is the lack of contact and the lack of physical contact with their loved ones. It's very, very difficult. 
Unfortunately, what is becoming increasingly clear is that people are able to spread this virus before they develop symptoms. So about two, possibly even three days before even the mildest symptoms appear, somebody could be infected and could be shedding that virus and transmitting to other people. That means that it's really hard to identify where the risk is. It's really hard to, if we just ask people who have symptoms to, to self-isolate, we're not going to prevent transmission. So if you're in an at-risk group, um, please stick to the, the HSC guidelines and stay away from people for a bit longer until we, we get a, a better handle on reducing the transmission of this virus and keeping as many people as safe as possible. And before I go back to Yvonne, Kim, just part of Carmel's uh, query there, um, we were told in the beginning that children were carriers, but where is the evidence for this? It, absolutely. Thank you for, um, for bringing me back to that point of the question. It is quite difficult Children aren't showing the same classical symptoms. So it's if we identify people who are infected based on those symptoms, it's highly likely that we will miss um, infected children because they're not having a fever, they're not having much of a cough. So, um, so that's where the potential for children being carriers and being um, tra a transmission risk comes from. The data isn't, um, isn't clear. Um, there are some debates as to whether or not shutting down the schools was necessary, but I think as we don't yet know um, enough about this virus and how it transmits, if we want to protect as many people as possible, we need to be cautious and mindful of the fact that children can have the virus without showing symptoms. Yes, and on that point, Yvonne Williams, there was an alert sent by the Paediatric Intensive Care Society in Britain to GPs uh, warning of a spike there in cases of a mystery condition across the UK and indeed the Health Secretary of State Matt Hancock uh, said yesterday at their briefing, they're very worried about a new wave of children going into intensive care. What's the background to that? So what we've been seeing in, in the UK, predominantly in London, but in a few of the other hospitals, is that some children under the age of 12, less than 20 in, in total throughout the UK, just in case parents are listening and, and are worrying, less than 20 children throughout the UK are presenting with symptoms very similar to another condition called Kawasaki disease or toxic shock syndrome. So a lot of parents listening would be familiar with meningitis perhaps where children get a high temperature and a rash and become very unwell with changes in their fingers and their toes. So it's quite similar to that. So these are children maybe not presenting with the cough and the breathing difficulties you'd see in adults but with abdominal symptoms. So tummy pain, diarrhea, vomiting, high temperature rash. Children who look really unwell. These are really sick looking kids. And I suppose the concern is that, again, parents are, are maybe delaying contacting their GP or going directly to the hospital with children with high fever and uh, these kind of symptoms because they're worried about coronavirus. Some of these children in the UK, when they've tested them, have had coronavirus. Others, their tests are coming back negative. So we think this is possibly a severe inflammatory reaction to children who had coronavirus. They didn't get sick when they actually had the coronavirus itself initially, but their body has reacted really dramatically to having had the virus and they're becoming really unwell afterwards. And we don't know, is it a couple of weeks afterwards or maybe four weeks afterwards? So this virus is still surprising us and um, we're dealing with new complications of it every week and this is the latest development. Yeah, I love the, the, the honesty of people who ask a really simple question. And here's one for you, uh, Yvonne. What does asymptomatic mean? I'm hearing it all the time, but I haven't heard anyone explain it. OK, well, apologies. I suppose sometimes doctors, we talk in, in medical jargon and we forget. So basically, asymptomatic is somebody who feels really well. They don't have a temperature. They're not sick. You feel fine. You don't even realise you're sick. So 
you go about your business as, as normal as normal as normal can be in the middle of, of the COVID and pandemic. And they're showing no symptoms. Absolutely no symptoms. And, and quite a lot of children will have no symptoms. When we are uh, finding an adult case in a house and, and testing relatives, you know, sometimes we are picking up the children were infected as well, but, but we're feeling well. Yeah. They didn't have symptoms at all. And Professor Kim Roberts, as a development of that question, another uh, caller wants uh, to know, uh, if a person is identified as an asymptomatic carrier of COVID-19, are they infectious on an ongoing basis or are they infectious for the usual 14 days? This is causing much confusion and fear, says Gerard in Galway. Um, that's a really, really good question. So we know that people can be infected um, and we can detect the virus in them and, non- and not have any symptoms and not have any dis- any symptoms develop over the following 14 days. So that would be a true asymptomatic person. What we don't know is whether or not that virus is infectious and can be transmitted. So when we look for virus in people, the standard test that's done is looking for the the genome of the virus, so the recipe that tells the cells how to make more copies of the virus. That is not a good um, measure of infectious virus. So, um, so detecting that genome, that RNA, doesn't actually say that somebody is transmitting infectious virus. We don't know yet if somebody who is infected but shows no symptoms um, can be shedding the virus. There's a slight difference in somebody who um, who is pre-symptomatic. So these are people who have been exposed to the virus, and we do have evidence now that for for two or three days before symptoms develop, people can be shedding the virus and transmitting to other people. So the honest question is, we don't know. It's it's clear that. Um, this virus is being um, cleared from the system. So if you're not showing any symptoms, that 14-day window is absolutely um, going to be beyond um, the the amount of replication that the virus is taking place within the body. We think that the virus starts to be cleared from the body after about sort of day seven, day eight. So so when there are rumours going around about the virus um, hiding within the body and becoming reactivated, um, that, that that process doesn't happen with coronaviruses. Coronaviruses don't hide within the body. They um, they infect the body, they replicate, and then our body clears it. Um, so that, okay. that is quite a good difference. Um, in relation, uh, Yvonne Williams, in relation to food deliveries, how can we trust that the people who are preparing the food are not sick or haven't coughing, been coughing or touching food with infected hands? And if they are, how much risk are they uh, to us, the consumer? Well, I think if, yeah, if the proper infection control measures aren't, aren't being um, followed, then there is a risk. I mean, if somebody prepares food and they, they sneeze onto it and you pick it up and eat it, you're, you're in trouble. Um, it won't survive as long on, on very hot food as it would perhaps on cold food. So you need to be careful if you are going to continue to get takeaways and we're all trying to support local businesses. If you are doing that, I think it's worth having a look and seeing, you know, are they wearing gloves? Are they wearing masks? Are you happy that, that you know, the people who are dealing with the, the car that you're handing in um, rather than cash, you know, that they're dealing with it properly and that you're happy with how it's being prepared. If you're not there on site, then I think, as Professor Kim said, you take precautions, you make sure that maybe one person handles the takeaway containers carefully and that you put the food into your own into your own um, dishes at home and then dispose of them carefully, wash your hands and you're minimising your risk then. 
Yeah, um, another simple question, this time for from Bernard, Kim. Um, how can a person infect less than one other person? What does this mean? Um, it's purely based on the maths. So it's it's under the idea that some people will infect one person and other people won't infect any people. So when you average all of that together and you do the maths, that's how you can get less than one person. Which is my cue to read another uh, message or a note that we got an email about uh, wonderful teachers. I de- I'm delighted I got a fantastic grounding in maths from all my wonderful teachers that now enables me to enjoy the daily briefings. Well, I'm glad you can find some way of enjoying the daily briefings on COVID-19, particularly when Philip Nolan and Tony Houlihan explained the pandemic via mathematical modelling. Maths are the basis of everything, says Nora. Fair play to you. 51551 for your texts. Um, and uh, there, there, there's just so many questions. How soon can you go in and clean a house after someone in the house has been diagnosed with the virus? Uh, what do you say to that, Yvonne? Well, what we're advised to do in, in the surgery, if you know someone is infective, is leave the leave the room for at least an hour and a quarter, or ideally overnight, before you go in in your protective gear, so wearing gloves and a mask and, and an apron, um, and then you proceed to clean it carefully, and then you dispose of that uh, glove, mask, apron um, carefully into into a bin, and then wash your hands very very carefully following the, the kind of HSE advice on, on how to wash hands properly, which is really important. So it would be the same advice at home that somebody ideally would wear a mask and they're available in quite a few of the pharmacies and a pair of gloves and an apron that then would go into, say, a, a boil wash and be washed separately and kept separately from the rest of the laundry. So people need to be very careful. I suppose when, when we're advising people who are self-isolating with symptoms, we're asking them to do the cleaning themselves of the room and of the bathroom if they're using the bathroom and to do that every day and to keep the window open in the room so that fresh air is coming in and that's hopefully reducing maybe the viral load in the air if they've been coughing and sneezing, that their tissues are going into a closed bin and that they're taking every precaution they can to keep away from the rest of the family. Um, A very interesting question uh, for you, Kim. A relative who tested positive six weeks ago and no longer has symptoms has been retested and the test was positive. How is this possible, asks that listener. So, um, just so that I've got this right, were they positive the first time round? Yes, pos- tested yeah, so positive pos- six weeks ago, no longer has symptoms, has been retested and the test is positive. Okay, so... One you can of get the it again, different- basically, is what they're suggesting there. Yeah, so the evidence for this is is coming through. Um and we don't fully understand what's happening. Um, we don't full, we don't have all of the information yet. One of the difficult things with coronaviruses is that they don't um, generate a very good, strong immune response. So um, whilst somebody who has a, a coronavirus infection um, hopefully will generate neutralizing antibodies, so protective antibodies that will last for a year, maybe two years, there is some evidence to suggest that um, the, the severity of symptoms is linked with how good that immune response is. So if someone has a mild infection the first time round, they may not generate that really good immune response. And so it might mean that they are able to get infected again. What will probably happen is that that second infection um, doesn't lead to symptoms or leads to a, a much more mild disease. So there will be some protective effect of the initial um, immune response, but it might not be enough to be protective and stop you from getting infected again. Uh, maybe we can gallop through a few last ones. Um, uh, Yvonne, does a virus does the virus survive in a freezer? 
not that I know of, but Professor Kim might be a better expert to, to answer that one, Sean, I think. Um, yes, it does. Okay. Yes, it does. Is hypertension an underlying condition? Yes, it is. Um, they talk of a medium age and a median age with people in hospital. What is the difference? Is that for me, Sean, or Kim? Or oh, well, I, sorry, yeah, I, <laughs> yes, should, I, should, I should really sorry. direct them. Uh, Kim, do you want to take that? <laughs> sorry, what was it? There's, there's the, the difference They talk of a medium age and a median age with people in hospital. I presume people who have it or who have died from it. What is the difference? So I think the, it's, the, it's more the median age is what we hear about, isn't it? Exactly. So that is the, um, the, the median age is the most, is the, I've got to get this right now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the, uh, the, the median age is the... Um, is it the midpoint in the age between the youngest and the oldest? That's the one. <laughs> that's it. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I, I only did pass maths. We um, should have paid more attention to our maths teachers in school, Kim, I think. <laughs> yes. Um, I really should. That okay, look, we'll, we'll clarify that, that because I am certainly not holding myself out as an expert on maths <laughs> or anything else for that matter. Um, now, I find the directive about being in someone's company for 15 minutes confusing. Can you explain that one, please, Yvonne Williams? So what we're classifying as someone who is a close contact is somebody who spends 15 minutes or more within two metres of a person who is infected. So I suppose we had to pick some sort of arbitrary figure in terms of, of, of people being at significant risk. So if you're within two metres of somebody for more than 15 minutes, having a conversation or sitting next to them, and that person has COVID-19, whether they have symptoms or not, because as Kim said, they could be shedding. If you're there with them for that length of time, you are then at risk. You're a close contact if that person gets a positive test, you will then be tested. Public health will contact you and you'll need to be tested. So you're putting yourself at risk by doing that. So none of us are supposed to be within two metres unless you're working in, in healthcare really or in an essential service. So that's why it's so important that people observe that two metre distance if they're out for their yeah. two, you know, their walks and so on, that they, they stay well back from people when they're meeting them. Kim Roberts, what does the term, asks another listener, what does the term in the community mean? Um, okay, so I'll clarify that point before. You were absolutely right that the median age is the midpoint in the distribution of the ages. So you were absolutely right there. Um, and then you were asking about the um, in the community. Yes, well, it's a phrase so, like so um, many cases in the community. Absolutely. So um, that's describing um, where the transmission event has taken place. So whether or not the transmission event has taken place in the household, that would be a, a household event. In the community, it's when um, it's, it's when people are out and about in under lockdown. That means when they're going shopping um, and, and running a few errands. But it means that it's difficult to... Um, determine where the transmission event happened, that there's no obvious link with somebody within the household or within a workplace that led to the transmission and that it took place as somebody was moving around their community. OK, we'll leave it there. Lots more questions. We'll have to have you back, I suspect, uh, before too, lo uh, too long more. Uh, we'll leave it there for now, though. My thanks to you both, uh, Dr Yvonne Williams in the Shannon Medical Centre, where she's a GP. And also my thanks to Professor Kim Roberts, an expert in virology at Trinity College, Dublin.